0: Welcome to the Guernsey Press Arts Podcast, a podcast about the arts in Guernsey, produced by the press and presented by me, Simon Delarue. In this edition, we'll hear from Gaddock about their imminent production of The Diary of Anne Frank at a newly refurbished beaux jour Theatre.
1: I think it's nice for us because it, it makes it all the more special. Um, I think people remember firsts of things, so they'll remember the first time they saw a play in the new theatre. Um, and with it being such an important play, I'm glad it's ours.
0: We'll catch up with the organisers of the Guernsey Film Fest after a successful second iteration earlier this month.
1: Basically,
2: it just kind of fuels the existing fire and it gives local filmmakers a platform. They've got a screen, they've got a stage and they've got a chance to win an award already here.
0: We'll speak to modern-day impressionist Tony Parsons, who's been capturing local subjects in coastal locations during his latest visit to the island. And with Le French Festival in full swing, we'll hear from Guernsey Arts about its plans for encouraging cultural tourism. Beaus Theatre has had a major makeover in recent months with new seats, a changed colour scheme and LED lights to guide you to your seats. And the first theatrical production to be seen in these new environs will be Gaddock's The Diary of Anne Frank, a stage adaptation of the testimony written by a German-born Jewish teenager of her experience of hiding from the Nazis in a secret Amsterdam annex during the Second World War. I went along to a recent rehearsal and spoke to Danny Barker, who plays Anne's father Otto, Alex Kubra-Barnett, who plays fellow fugitive Petronella Van Damme, and to director Danny Robin. And I began by asking her why she had chosen to direct this play.
3: I'm very interested in history and historical stories, uh, whether or not it's um, war-based or just any any kind of history, really. And uh, I was looking up uh, list and the Diary of Anne Frank popped up in that list, and it, it just yeah, it just struck me that was the one. I just wanted to do it because it's such a profound story. It's poignant, it's powerful, and it's perpetually relevant as well. There's a lot of themes that are still very relevant today.
0: And so, tell me about this particular adaptation of the story. I mean, when was this uh, stage play brought about, and, and uh, what sort of histories it had?
3: This is actually an adaptation of the original stage play, which was published in the fifties. This one was published in uh, the nineties, and uh, it's a much more condensed version. the uh, The original version was very, very wordy, and whilst this one still has a lot of dialogue, it's it's more. Um, it, it takes certain moments of um, the Anne Frank story and and compounds it, I guess.
0: And uh, Alex, can I ask you uh, about your character, Patrina?
3: um she's uh she's very brash
1: she's very outspoken some might say a bit of typecasting going on there <laughs> um she brings um some of the humor to um to the attic which from an audience's point perspective is kind of needed um because of there's lots of lots of tension lots of um lots of stress lots of challenge um But she's also very, very feisty, um, so does maybe get into a few arguments along the way.
0: Most people will be familiar with the story of Anne Frank to some degree, uh, and they'll come with certain expectations potentially. Uh, You mentioned the humour there. I mean, in what way will uh, audience members, do you think, have their expectations met or confounded?
1: Um, I think they'll probably think that it's all doom and gloom, um, but it is a depiction of normal life in a confined space um and no matter what space life happens in there's always a range of emotions um and you see those all the way throughout the play whether it's you know the ending that everybody knows to expect um but also those lighter moments when the the characters are just sharing a meal or moaning about the meal um, and, and and every other motion in between
0: and uh, Danny, what does uh, the character of Otto sort of bring to, bring to the party, as it were? I imagine, I imagine um, that uh, the, the portrayal from Anne herself is likely to be a sort of matter of fact, if it's, if it's um, uh, going by what we read in the diary, but to have the father figure there as well presumably brings out quite a lot of the emotion.
4: Uh, yes, I think I think that it does, although I, I think Alex kind of um, sums it up very well, this this idea that what we're representing here is a normal life such as it is in this confined space for sort of 18 months, two years. Um, and in that, you have the normal familial relationships going on. So you've got teenage daughters, and you've got mother and father trying to cope with teenage daughters. So you get an element of that. There's some frustrations in there, but there's also moments of, of levity where um dancing around with Anne because that's what you do it's a lovely father-daughter relationship that is comes to the fore for the most part of the play and all all the people who know the diary will know that there was a sort of a shift in that relationship as Anne got older Um, but throughout this play uh, until uh, until the end you get a sense of the the very sort of supportive loving caring father who perhaps cares a little too much and doesn't confront some of the problems um, uh, and is accused of doing so during the play. In fact, so yes, it's an interesting uh, dynamic. And as a father myself, it's it's actually been quite easy to sort of imagine how that might be three teenage daughters.
0: And um, what do you think that the audience might bring to this particular production? Given that you are putting this on in an in a territory that was itself occupied.
4: Um. Uh, I hope they see a a different perspective I, I think as we've been saying there is there is a sort of preconceived idea uh, however limited people's knowledge may or may not be about the books themselves they do know the the larger story and that is obviously represented uh, at the end of the at the end of the play um but I think they bring their own knowledge and therefore expectations and they will be not surprised and surprised, I think, in equal measure. I I think that you've got that sort of sense of reality of life is perhaps a bit of a surprise and that there are moments of humour. And I think as a cast, we've tried to inject a bit of humour too. I think the writing is uh, is great uh, and you can create some humour from the situations just because of the dynamics of the cast. And I think that's been important for us because it is a difficult subject obviously so I think between us and the audience we bring our own sort of schema and previous knowledge um, and you
0: that sort of shared knowledge helps to enjoy it afresh every time and Danny, what are you hoping that audiences will take away from this uh, production
3: I hope that they take away the fact that these were just people they were humans they weren't just caricatures or anything They they are more than just poster children for a very terrible time in history and I hope they learn something and uh, they come away with compassion and um, yeah, just understanding.
0: I must ask you, that um, you're putting this play on at a, a great time in, in terms of the history of beaux Theatre, it's all been done up just for you uh, or just in time for you anyway. So uh, what's, what uh, do you anticipate that's gonna be like for audiences and for yourself?
1: I think it's nice for us because it, it makes it all the more special um i think people remember firsts of things so they'll remember the first time they saw a play in the new theater um and with it being such an important play i'm glad it's ours yeah because i'm hoping that people will look at it as a historical piece but as danny said it has still has so many parallels with um with modern day society um and i'm hoping that that people will go away and maybe reflect maybe challenge some of their preconceived ideas um but i think that it's all sparkly and lovely will will maybe add add to add to the um the specialness of that experience for the audience
0: and if i can ask you finally danny um i, I believe you've taken the decision to have uh, all of the actors on stage throughout uh, the production what was the thinking behind that and and what uh, purpose does it serve sort of?
3: I wanted to talk to them. <laughs> no, uh, it, it just makes sense that um, as much as possible to keep them in that confined space, to give them that mentality of being trapped, um, that there's only one real exit in and out of the annex, which is in and out of the annex. There's a WC stage, but you don't see people going in or being in there. Um, but it's literally just people are on stage for for 99% of the time, and I I feel like it 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 helps give that that atmosphere of claustrophobia.
4: I think it's worth saying as a separate issue, but just to go back a little bit, if you don't mind, that part of what the whole kind of uh, production, uh, Danny's been made it very clear from from the outset, nobody's doing an accent, we're not trying to be. German or Dutch or anything like that. We're just being our sort of acted voices, but there are, uh, you know, are our accents and all the rest of it because nobody's trying to do impressions of any of these people. And I found that important, particularly because, um, spoiler alert, Otto is the one who survives. So he was, he was around for people to sort of make comparisons to. And there is in, in no way, shape, or form an attempt to mimic anybody but to uh, treat the whole situation with a a respect uh, and sensitivity
0: that it it needs. Danny Barker there, and you also heard from Alex Kubra-Barnett and Danny Robin. And I must mention that I also bumped into stage manager Alan Robin while I was there, and we chatted about the consequences for his search history of having had to source large swastika flags for the production, one of the perils of leading a theatrical life, I guess. Gaddock's The Diary of Anne Frank runs from this Wednesday, the 18th of October, until Saturday the 21st at beaux with performances each evening at 7.30pm and an extra performance at 2pm on Saturday. Tickets are still available for each performance from GuernseyTickets.gg and from the beaux box office. The Guernsey Film Fest made a return to the Mallard Cinema earlier this month. Indeed, it was announced in the summer that the festival, which was inaugurated last year, would be continuing for at least the next three years after securing a sponsorship agreement with D-Limited. I went along on the final day to speak to the festival's co-producers, Lars Janssen and Charlotte Dawn Potter, to find out how it was going.
2: Uh, Really, really good turnouts and a lot of enthusiasm from people across Guernsey, but also we've had people flying in for the festival, which has been really exciting. And um, we're just like very grateful that the second year this is kind of how things are going, very promising for future years as well.
0: And tell me about some of those people who've been coming over to see this festival.
5: Uh, we have people, the filmmakers, some of the filmmakers that came over. Uh, so we have someone who came in from, in from Jersey, and the show is short film we have someone from the UK and also from Germany the d- director who brought in family members as well to watch uh, in concrete that we actually uh, showing or uh, showed on Sunday so that's really nice to have people uh, coming in uh, to join us for the
0: festival and so this really is uh, increasingly international isn't it this festival
5: yeah yeah it's it, that last year was already interest and people you know they they got interested because they were like what's what's Guernsey?" <laughs> so they they would love to come over um, and we would like to invite them but the budget is doesn't allow that yet <laughs> but it's definitely people's interest uh, gets peaked, and they also are like oh maybe we can do something there as well like a documentary or film um so now we actually have people coming in we
2: have people looking to also make films in in Guernsey as a result of it which yeah. is a really exciting development on top of the festival as filmmakers ourselves
0: I, yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, you you, um, you obviously make films yourself. You're showing underground here during this festival, yeah, yeah. Um, and and other filmmakers are have through this festival the opportunity to showcase their uh, work as well. Uh, how important is a festival to the what is already a growing cinematic scene here in Guernsey?
2: Basically, it just kind of fuels the existing fire, and it gives local filmmakers a platform that exist here like the short films that we had yesterday from the local filmmakers was a really kind of kind of wholesome event and it felt like kind of guernsey coming together and celebrating the art that's being made here but with the festival we we know that that's going to be here year after year so if a local filmmaker decides they want to make it they've got a they've got a screen they've got a stage and they've got a chance to win an award already here mm-hmm. um And I think it just kind of adds to the growing themes. And there's um, the guy that came across from Jersey. What's his name? Sorry. Steve. Steve. Um, He is um, (laughs) kind of on a film committee in Jersey and was talking about inter island connections. And he'd advertised Guernsey Film Fest in Jersey as well. So it's kind of developing between the Channel Islands overall.
0: And so how do you see the trajectory of the Guernsey Film Fest uh, going forward? Because this is only your second year and Mm -hmm. it has grown considerably since the first uh, year. So how do you see it going forward and what sort of changes would you seek to make next?
2: Well, we'd love to have uh, panels in the future with filmmakers so people can ask questions about films that are existing. Um, Just to continue to kind of celebrate any film that is associated with Guernsey and kind of, have different exhibitions to explore different avenues of Guernsey's history and Guernsey's art, Guernsey's environment. I, I just think we can continue to kind of grow little by little.
5: Yeah. The the name of the director of the, who came from Jersey, who made a Super Birth Show called Mark Matland. So it's not Steve, but the character he plays is Steve. Okay. That, that's <laughs> where well the confusion Let's
2: just like get that straight for the, for the interview. <laughs>
5: um, So, yeah, I think it's great because we had uh, a young director who made Children of the Night, and he came over and has a local actor in the lead. Harry is the local actor, he's in that. Um, So, we had quite a nice turnout for that, and a whole lot of family members came over to watch the film because it's never shown here in cinema, uh, and it's released in the US, not in, in UK yet. So it was nice to show about but also nice because we immediately had, you know, the local filmmakers chatting.
2: And we all went on a little night out last night, all of the local filmmakers and Will.
5: Introduced... Uh, and he
2: saw Guernsey in every sense.
5: Yeah, the Guernsey nightlife. It's, it's really nice to immediately see that they're kind of chatting up and uh, kind of networking. I mean, it was all very casual, but, you know, I know pretty sure at some point, you know, they're going to be collaborating in in some form, either in the UK or the other way around, hopefully, of course, in in, in Guernsey. Uh, But also, it would, you know, kind of give resources because he probably will have contacts and he has experience with that film, uh, which was uh, partially shot in in France, in Normandy. So they can exchange experiences uh, and interest in film. So I think it's a nice... Nice natural exchange between uh, filmmakers from different parts of the world. Well, not far away.
0: I've been imagining that you might uniquely be cursing the weather this weekend because uh, I, I, I was concerned for you yes, that it might no. mean that people go down the beach rather I than coming to it. I think
5: it does probably the Very uh, likely affects people's decision to come. Uh, but last year,
2: recently, if it rains. People didn't leave the
5: house. Yeah. So you can stay at home. We need we
2: need Uh, next year weather gods, cloudy, cloudy weather,
5: cloudy, mild, occasional shower. Then that's probably the best weather. But you never know.
0: But I mean, the car park out there is is packed. So I mean, you you you've you've done pretty well.
5: Yeah, I think it also depends on what you're showing. (laughs) So I think the 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 more local themed projects or locally made things are definitely more interest. But because people talk about it more. So it's it's still a, a small challenge to get people to do more unknown things. So um, yeah, that's a, that's always a challenge, and an interesting uh, topic to kind of see how we can.
2: One thing make that we more have changed though this year is last year we had short blocks. And this year we're showing a feature film with a short ahead of it to kind of get people to come for the, the well-known film, The Feature, and they're seeing a short alongside it so they can like introduce people to the shorts in a bit more palatable way.
0: Charlotte Dawn Potter and Lars Janssen speaking to me at the Mallard Cinema during the final day of the Guernsey Film Fest. And having heard such positive things about all the films I didn't get to see, I've resolved to do a better job of clearing my diary for next year's festival. Le French Festival had the streets of St Peterport bedecked with the smells of smoked garlic and cheese, the sounds of storytelling and accordions, and the sights of street art and cashmere from the moment the traders and artists arrived from Normandy last week. It was timed to coincide with the Renoir exhibition at Candy, but the focal point was down at Market Square, where I met the Head of Arts Development at Guernsey Arts, Russ Fossey, as this seemed like a good time to talk about the seventh of their nine pillars of their 10-year plan for the arts, which focuses on cultural tourism.
6: Actually, we're talking about this today in sort of real time, um, because we, we wrote this document 18 months, two years ago. But if you just look at, let's take where we are today in Guernsey, and uh, there is um, this this brilliant um, initiative from Art for Guernsey, Guernsey Museums in Givigny, where we have a, a Renoir exhibition here at the moment, which is runs until Christmas. That, that's an amazing project, which I'm really pleased is supported really strongly by Visit Guernsey. While we're we're talking in the, the market square, we have a French festival happening uh, over the weekend here, and perhaps you can hear the music in the background. There's a French market here. Guernsey Arts have worked with Visit Guernsey to uh, develop this this short festival, um, which which has like things like the, the French festival and, and French food menus, but also um, Guernsey Arts has been bringing over some French street performers, some French bands um, to create um, a real atmosphere around the, the the French theme, but also to remind us of the our close relationship with France, and you know, and how we can and hopefully look to develop that relationship in the in the near future.
0: And as well as bringing people over and, you know, uh, having them here as, if you like, customers of arts here in the island, um, I imagine there's the the possibility for sort of artistic communication, if you like, between their culture and ours. I mean, I know that they're um, uh, Jerry and Can, for example. Of course, the Storm on social media, everyone seems to be talking about their street arts, which is something something a little different, something that we, we don't see very much of here in our own uh artistic community
6: no ab- absolutely we uh, we were here uh, yesterday afternoon when when uh, the 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 french uh, street artist team were de- were delivering um some public uh uh, or street art for for children, just 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 here, and um, it is really interesting to see uh, Guernsey's reaction to to, to street performance. Uh, as you know, the Guernsey audience is can, can be a little bit laid back, and it takes us a little bit of time to warm up to this. But yeah, absolutely, street art um, art in public places gives opportunity for for people to engage in, in arts in in an easy, accessible way. But more more than that, some of the the, the street art we're seeing from from uh, from uh, the, the visiting French group, actually makes us think and, and challenges us. And, and that's what art should do. So it's really good to see that on the streets, but sort of moving on from that, I think you, you talk about um, building relationships. Um, currently we are working, Guernsey Arts is working with uh, art, uh, Jersey Art House in terms of developing up a, um, a fund for artists to travel between Guernsey and Jersey to share To share our art Um, and what is really interesting um, we're starting to see bands move across the islands a little bit more Um, but also that you're going to get an audience following them as well and I think you know it's small it's it's small to start with but that can grow we're hoping we can triangulate that with with Normandy and Brittany in the future Um, but um, as well as people coming here if you take this weekend again um, the Vale Earth Fair are going to Jersey and they are, they are hosting an event in Jersey. So that's one of our festival teams going into Jersey to host a festival, taking some Guernsey bands with them, which which has been supported by Guernsey Arts, but also engaging with Jersey bands and actually growing that audience. And I think that's that's really important that we have this communication across our islands to, to, to develop like inter-island travel, which, which is probably the easiest target initially. Um, separately to that, I'm... Really, really buoyed by the formation of the new tourism management board, um, and their understanding how uh, uh, the the asset cultural asset um, can support tourism. Um, we recently hosted a an event under our creative conversations banner where we invited the tourism management board to come and meet with the large festival organizers and and large event organizers within the arts and culture Um, and there was a really positive meeting there in terms of the ambition of the tourism management board to support these festivals i've got to say at this stage not with any new money (laughs) but with the the same you know the same money we've already already had but actually trying to join the Dotsop in terms of you know helping festivals with uh, putting packages together you know and you know perhaps I can give an example of this is let's use the Vile Earth for again that you know Jersey's a great target for bringing uh, audience over from uh for the for the festival but you know it's probably a ferry passenger it's probably a campsite or a bed and breakfast. And if, if a tour operator can, can put together a one ticket stop for, for, for Jersey people at an affordable price, it just helps the festival to uh, promote and attract, and attract into, into into Jersey. Now you, you run that out to the, the Literary Festival, you know, you've probably got another niche market in a different place at a different level of hotels. And the Tourism Management Board are really keen on that engagement from our festivals to see how they can both help them to grow their to grow their audience but at the same time this is going to grow you know Guernsey's economy um it's all it's it you know it's all ambition at the moment but we're starting that dialogue and I think within that dialogue we've also got the tour operators the hotel the hoteliers and I think um I'm really buoyed by this this joined up thinking which in all honesty we've not seen before um so you know you know, I think there's, there's really good opportunity here.
0: And do you think the Tourism Management Board might also be able to sort of uh, help in um, making the most of those visitors who do come? By which I mean, for example, um, you mentioned the Renoir exhibition, it's, bringing, it's clearly bringing people in from all over the world. Uh, there, for, a couple from Australia came in, especially uh, we hear, um, for example, um, but once they're here, then you know, making them aware of everything else that the island has to offer from an arts perspective
6: yeah you know i th- i think that that's really important that that we have a body and organisation that can maximise that and obviously if we're bringing people in that's probably best on through hotels but they need to be fed they need to be fed this information whether it comes from visit guernsey or it comes from from different a uh, different organisation i don't know but you know i think that's a trick guernsey's missed for a long time that when people are here they're obviously looking things to do locally and in the other islands and that that information needs to be fed to them easily and simply yeah so i i, I hope and think the tourism management board will start as they get their feet under the table will start to talk more to develop all, all these ideas you know and we've just talked today about you know our current assets but we you know we've also talked about Renoir but we've got the the Victor Hugo, the ambition for the Victor Hugo Centre. There is so much asset that Guernsey has here in terms of its culture, its heritage, um, that I don't think Guernsey has started to sort of harvest. And uh, if, if we get this joined up thinking, I think there's there's a good opportunity for uh, cultural tourism to be part of the offer.
0: Russ Fossy there. Finally let's hear briefly from visiting artist Tony Parsons who has been depicting our local coastal scenes with several Guernsey people included after they responded to his call to turn up and be a, a part of the scenery as it were. I bumped into him at Market Square after having spoken to Russ Fossey. so I asked him about his work.
7: It's a culmination of basically this week's frantic work running around the beaches of Guernsey. Uh, I invited everybody in Guernsey to come and be in the paintings, and I've done these enormous wide-format paintings. Um, loads of people have turned up with dogs and kids and bicycles and a horse yesterday, um, and I've painted them in as they've turned up. So the exhibition's called Wet Paint, and it is just that—it's wet paintings. Um, they're now in frames on easels, but they're still oil paints so and they're still wet. They're going to be wet for about a week or so, and uh, people are invited to turn up, see themselves, and. Um, yeah, I'm making prints of the wider ones because there's a lot of people in them and obviously if someone's bought the original then all the other people in it wouldn't at
0: least like a print. And you're able to incorporate these people who come along because of the the speed at which you work and working on plein air. Uh, tell us tell us tell us about the style of your paintings and the and the method. I'm a plein air painter. Um I
7: suppose the style could be described as slightly impressionist, modern impressionist. Um, I work incredibly fast because the tide's always going out, the wind's going to blow the easel over or someone's going to park a coach in front of me. So generally I've got two to three hours maximum to finish a painting and that dictates the size I can work at. I've got larger as I've got more practised. Generally 60 to 80 centimetres wide for a painting on site Um, and sometimes the weather will close me down early and I'll have a half-finished painting. I don't like going back to paint something because you're going to have a different atmosphere on a another visit so I like to work in one hit if I can
0: I um I, I'm going to compare you to Renoir now because I went <laughs> I went along to the Renoir exhibition there just a couple of days ago and and it did strike me that you know when you look really close up and it's great great privilege to be able to do this and you look really close up you can see the the boldness of the strokes and and the almost almost kind of childlike sweeping of the of the of the brush, and then you you step back from it, and and the image that you see is almost surprisingly um, real to you, you know, when you've seen it close up. And I've noticed the same um, with with your work at your exhibition uh, last year, where you know looking really close up you you can't um, see the detail, but stepping back from it, it just all it's like a revelation. So I mean, how how does that come about? How do you manufacture that effect? Um, presumably, you'll say, uh, with a lot of practice and a lot of work. But uh, can you can you describe to a layman how that works? Oh, I'm going to say, no, I'm just like Renoir. Um,
7: so working with a large brush, um, and I teach, so I'm always telling my students, work with your eyes half shut. So you've got your eyes all scrunched up and you've, you've got your lashes together. So you you can you strip all the colour information out of a scene. So you can try it now, look around the room. If you scrunch your eyes up, the... The darks will become almost solid black. The highlights will become bright white and everything else is a value in between. So you're measuring those and then you're daubing them quickly with a large brush. You're not aiming for detail. You're not aiming for finickety bits. Once you get the values right, your brain should do the rest of the work. So when you stand back from a painting, it will resolve itself into some kind of reality, but yeah, close up. It's just a big bunch of blobs. I mean there's been a few occasions this week where i've sort of gone close to this this is this is just a big bunch of blobs and everyone walking past a little bit further away goes that's exactly right um yeah so the idea is work with a brush you're much larger than you're comfortable with it feels foreign at first um but you're aiming to put down those values those tones and let the viewer's brain do the rest of the work that's the exciting bit for me
0: Sussex based artist Tony Parsons, there, removing some of the darkness of my utter ignorance of the art of painting. If you can enlighten me further by describing your use of a brush, then please come onto the podcast and tell us all about it. The email address is sdeleru at guernseypress.com. That's all for this edition. Bye for now.